tell him about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day! All of our team. Hello and welcome back once again to Gag Reel. The unasked for an unnecessary podcast where we celebrate comedy media by running jokes into the ground. I am your host, Ryan Scanlin and as always I am joined by my brother William. But today he will not be joining me in the intro, as we are smack dab in the middle of our Monty Python and the Holy Grail discussion. Allow me to shed my robot skin and get back to the Pythonathon fun. Gaga doodle, doodle, doodly do you beautiful humanoid bastards. I think after this, we get into a little bit of a slower moment in the movie. and um, Well, there's one really good moment first, and that's the modern-day historian making a documentary on Arthurian legends only to be killed by a knight on horseback. Which I feel like is a really ingenious kind of um, decision, too, because not only is it a hilarious kind of breaking of what we already know this film to be, like it, like I said, it, it's always kind of pulling the rug out from under you in ways that you didn't had no idea were coming. Yeah. But not only does it do that, it also sets up the end of the movie, which I wonder how much trouble they had figuring out or how early on they figured out this. Actually, the original idea for the film was to have King Arthur search all over for the Holy Grail, including the modern day. And they would eventually find it at a Holy Grail counter, quote unquote, at Herod's department store. But Terry Jones was really interested in the Middle Ages as a subject. And Terry Gilliam was inspired by the Pasolini film trilogy that took place in, in the medieval times. And so they decided to forego the modern day minus a few jokes. Uh, the climax of the film, I don't know, I guess it just came to them when they realized they couldn't afford the battle that they wanted to have at the end of the movie. Okay. That's great. But yeah. And they just like reintegrated old ideas of having some modern elements. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, yeah, just get them all arrested at the end. Like, I don't know. And it, They only do this scene. And then the one other one of like, you know, the woman showing the cop, like, yeah, that's my husband. Yeah, they only do those. I, I'm pretty sure I might be a little wrong. Maybe there's one more, but then there's the very ending. And I, I but I feel like that little bitty bit does such great heavy lifting of like wrapping the movie up towards the end. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that that's very subjective. I know some people think that this movie has like no ending and it just ends in the dumbest way. But I think that's kind of why it worked. I, I always thought that that's that's kind of what killed it for me is just like. Of course it's just going to end. Like, that's what makes it funnier, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just so many wild kind like that, of that's, like... That's always the most common complaint I've heard about this movie is there's no real ending. I was like, but that's kind of what makes it funnier. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to wrap up a, a, a comedy, especially an absurdist one, and you either like just go big in the most absurd way possible or, yeah, just cut it off. And they, they cut it off in the, probably the most wild way, I think, you know, most comedies have done. Yeah. Because, like, you either do it the Anchorman method of, yeah, just going to absurd heights mm -hmm. and just, like, just keep within the narrative. Or, yeah, you just 
say screw it and just <laughs> they all get arrested by modern day policemen. That's great. And you walk away with so many questions too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like I said before, the Sir Robin sequence is cute and funny. I I, I like the lyrics of the song that his. Uh, oh yeah. Brought forth from Camelot, he was not afraid to die. Oh, brave Sir Robin, he was not at all afraid to be killed in nasty ways. Brave, 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 brave Sir Robin, he was not in the least bit scared to be mashed into a pulp or to have his minstrel singing, but not, not super interesting. It doesn't have that many to turns to it, I, I don't think. Uh, and then, like. I honestly think the biggest low point is Sir Galahad's Castle Anthrax adventure, uh-huh. which is super funny. Really like that sequence, but oh, you like it? okay, but it doesn't like like a same thing with the Sir Robin one. It doesn't do any of those kind of wild filmmaking gags or or just really yeah. absurdist twists that you wouldn't it see coming. Like- there is like that kind of just sudden turn from being suggestive to being just open. From her, which I think was hilarious and is delivered. I, I yeah, I do well. like the moment where she's like, "We should have." Uh, we argued over whether or not to cut this scene, <laughs> uh, but but at the same time, I just I think it goes on a little too long. Uh huh. And it it doesn't. It it just follows like typical like that. Just seems like it just kind of goes into narrative trope mm. a little too much rather than feeling like a send up of narrative trope. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I I, I do since this is probably you know the the. The only extensive scene with other performers, other than the you know the the five white dudes, uh, I'll give it you know some thumbs up from Car- like I said, oh yeah, like I said it, from Carol Cleveland who's hilarious in this, and I love like I said the twist when when she's just suddenly like, and then the oral sex and just like the yeah that's true. a very kind of like just drop of like oh yeah okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're not going anywhere else with this, they're going exactly where like he thinks and everyone else thinks. I, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to him there. Yeah, that, that it's not a it's not an unhilarious sequence. It's just I feel like it's just a little too long. And I, I do like the the end with Lancelot and just his reaction to it all and his deadpan. This note, like, nope, we gotta get you out the safety. We gotta get you out to safety. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that, I feel like these these two sequences are a little bit of a little like. Yeah, I think at that point they cut away to Arthur and Bedivere and they're talking with the old man, uh, in the, the old man in from the, scene. 73 or what is it yeah i believe so which uh, hilarious more more uh fourth wall breaking yeah and i think it it cuts back to it do they go to the knights who say knee there or do they then go to lancelot and then cut back to the knights who i think they start with the knights who say knee and then they go to lancelot and they come back to finish the knee thing yeah, we start off the knee. Uh, Knights who say knee. We are introduced to them, and th- this is definitely another one of the most quoted moments of the movie, but justifiably so from Michael Palin's performance here. As as oh, yeah. oh, as many times as I've heard this whole routine, it, it, this entire routine by by kids, you know, or or anyone, coworkers, etc. Michael mm-hmm. Palin is, is just you know, unmatched. No one else could have made this so funny, but he just uh, yeah. he nails this weird voice, and just the uh, the audio design of this as well of that weird shrubbery that happens like every time <laughs> yeah. that uh, it just super it makes it like super dramatic. 
And yeah. Uh, yeah, just very goofy, weird sequence when you thought that this movie couldn't get goofier or weirder. And then we go to Lancelot. Out of all their little side stories, this is probably my favorite. This one's like almost its own little short film. Uh, and yeah. Full of... It, it, it's got its own like editing humor yeah. that isn't available in the rest of the film. And it's... I, I don't know if this was a popular style of humor in the 70s, but just like, let's film a sequence where Lancelot <laughs> runs towards the castle, and then it's like, you're editing it, and it's like, I'm bored, let's just make this uh, funny by just... Yeah, it was like a jab on cheap cinema and like, you know, reusing yeah. footage and uh, just confusing the audience. Because <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like your first <laughs> time great. watching that, it does, you like kind of do a double take was... in your mind of like, wait, is this the same shot? Like, did they just reuse yeah. that? It was my. It was probably my favorite visual sequence in the movie when I first saw it because it just kind of broke my brain. I was like, "Oh wow, you can do that in a movie!" <laughs> and then I think uh, Kung Pao entered the fist, copied uh-huh. it, like shot for shot. Yeah, it used a lot of the same kind of editing and of course, fourth wall. I goops. saw that movie almost the same time as I saw this, so I, I, yeah, that would be a fun one to go back to and do an episode on. Because uh, that, that's one that I feel like time has not really helped much. No, it's got more misses than hits. I'm sure. But uh, it does have some wild ideas and, and was wildly creative, you know, especially for yeah. the time that it came out in when green screen mm. was still just pretty new technology. And Yeah. But this isn't about Kung Pao and the Fist. We're talking about Monty <laughs> Python and the Holy Grail here. And I, I want to talk about before that running scene, there's... um. One of the first, like, kind of big callback moments here with his Patsy getting uh, hit with an arrow, getting knocked down, and, and doing kind of the same bit of, you know, oh, I, I'm feeling quite better. Who was mortally wounded? Nope, actually, I'm pretty sure I'll pull through. <laughs> and Eric yeah. Eric Idle did a great job of pulling off this, mm-hmm. this same kind of bit, but in a different kind of angle. Yeah, I thought that was great. And we're introduced to th- this one. I, I said earlier, like, my, my favorite Terry Jones role is uh yeah uh, when i was talking about that i hinted at it's 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 this role where he plays this prince who just wants to sing it's definitely he uses the same voices for all his roles but this one feels like the most unique out of all of them i like the makeup choice of him looking like green is a yeah a very disgusting little man little yeah and uh and michael palin as the i guess it was Almost felt like a Sean Connery impersonation. Yeah, I could see that. A balding Sean Connery. When I started here, all of us were swamp. Well, the king said I was daft to build a castle on the swamp. But I built it all the same, just to show them. It sank into the swamp. So, I built a second one. That sank into the swamp. So I built a third one. That burned down, fell over, then sank into the swamp. But the fourth one stayed up. I, I as as like old school as it was, it felt very much like a, a vaudeville act or like something you'd see on a variety show. I do have a soft spot for this whole routine with Eric Idle and him on the you know, you're gonna stay here and watch him make sure he doesn't leave. Yeah. It goes on <laughs> so long that it kinda like full it, it kind of full circles and becomes more yeah. than just like a, uh, you know, a, a stage bit. Yeah, it just keeps on going, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was great. And there's there's one shot that I think really kills it with Eric Idle whenever uh, Terry Jones's character is trying to write that note. And he looks over <laughs> and he gives like the strangest smile, like, oh, you're adorable. Yes. 
it's so perfect. Yeah, these are these are things that I, I wish we could capture in uh, in audio form when I put up these clips. It's just like stuff like yeah. that just just doesn't work at all. But uh, yeah, if you haven't rewatched this movie in a while, just go kind of pause on that sequence as like Terry Jones is cautiously wrapping this arrow and shooting it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this guard does not care at all. And <laughs> but uh, yeah, the arrow hits. Um hits Lancelot's coconut carrier. Yep, and then vengeance ensues. Yeah, he thinks it's a... Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, he decides to kill everyone in the castle. But he just gets carried away, you know? You killed the uh, the bride. She's getting better. <laughs> yeah, they, and, they, and then they reuse that bit again. And uh, mm-hmm. that, like I said before, at the, the start of this episode, like, I, I love this movie. It kind of grew up on this movie. But I, I do think watching it nowadays and seeing kind of a bit more behind the scenes and... I know at the time, I don't think that there were that many movies leaning this hard into callbacks and kind of making them such a weave through the movie and like kind of creating like its own kind of comedy. I don't I don't know what to call it, like a comedy language within the movie itself. But exactly after, you know, also growing up on so many Adam Sandler movies and Family Guy and stuff like that, that kind of does that to ad nauseum. It, it it almost is a little bit obnoxious how many times they do reuse some of these gags. Yeah, maybe. But uh, I, I can't fault the movie for, you know, everything else that kind of took that idea and ran a little too fast with it. Yeah, but, that's true. But, yeah. But it, I, I get that. Uh, I, don't, and I don't think there's that many other great bits after the setup to this, uh, this sequence. Uh, honestly, my favorite part is when he, like, when the dad finally fails at stopping everyone from singing <laughs> at the very end. And everybody just starts singing. He's going to tell. He's going to tell. I thought the, the whole turning it into a musical mm-hmm. sequence at the end just killed it. Super fitting. Yeah, it really, well, like I said, this, this is almost its own little short film. It starts and ends so solidly. I'm a big fan of the the... The delivery of the word hurry <laughs> from Terry Jones, just like the way he says it, uh-huh. is just so bizarre, <laughs> even within the accent that he's giving. Yeah. He's like, Woody! <laughs> it's, it's perfect. But uh, well, yeah, let, let's I guess we should move on. To, we, we now have them, yeah, going and finding, uh, was it Tim, the shrubber? Or is it. Uh, yes. Uh, wait, no, oh, wait, Tim's, no the, Tim's enchanter. the enchanter. Is uh, Eric the shrubber? What is his name? I don't, I don't, I don't remember if he had a name. Oh, what sad times are these when passing ruffians can say ni at will to old ladies. There is a pestilence upon this land. Nothing is sacred. Even those who arrange and design shrubberies are under considerable economic stress at this period in history. Did you say shrubberies? Yes. Shrubberies are my trade. I am a shrubber. My name is Roger the Shrubber. And they find a shrubbery that's nice, but it's not enough for the knights. So they fail at that. Well, they succeed at the shrubbery, but now they want an entire forest or... No, they want another shrubbery right next to this one, but slightly elevated and with a path down the middle. And then they they want Arthur to cut down the tallest tree in the forest with a herring. herring. And then I think they realize, like, no, we could just walk. Like we, We don't need to deal with these neat people anymore. Which is, yeah. it seems like, is almost always the solution in this movie to whatever's in your <laughs> yeah. way. Just walk, just walk, just walk by. by it. And so they regroup, and 
And then, yeah, one of, one of my favorite side characters in the movie, Tim the Enchanter. Yeah. Who, you know, just loves fire. And I'm sure a good chunk of the budget went to these effects as he goes from just basic fireballs to then full-on flamethrower to then full-on rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps Builds going. up more and more. And then he shows them to the uh, probably the most iconic scene of the movie aside from you know uh just the quotes from all these other scenes but yeah i think the the bit of the killer rabbit eating people biting biting their throats uh wide open or throat rips Mm -hmm. as mcgruber would put it yeah yeah i I can't think of a more like kind of iconic visual from this movie (laughs) and that's the one thing uh sir robin wasn't even afraid of (laughs) oh never mind but yeah, so they have to uh, open up the Book of Armaments. Which I, I feel like is the better joke of this scene. As hilarious as it is for there to be a killer rabbit, you know, it's cute, but oh no, it'll kill everyone. I feel like solving this with the holy hand grenade and just the uh, the extravagance of the way they shot that too, of it being that there's this full clergy behind them, basically, Mm-hmm. That just travels with them, and uh, the explanation of the holy hand grenade and how to use it, and the counting, yeah. uh, I, I think, is kind of the, the the best part of this sequence. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. Four shalt thou not count, neither count thou two, excepting that thou then proceed to three. Five is right out. And so, yeah, they they dispatch the rabbit, and then they go into an animated cave uh, <laughs> with a, or they go into a cave with an animated monster. I do uh, also want to, you know, talking about callbacks. There's another callback here with these monks saying that same chant and using that same sound bite as before when we're first introduced to them in the "Bring Out Your Dead" sequence. Yeah, and the the book smacking in the head, which is you know, like like I said before, another kind of little mini jab at at the church but yeah uh we have the the cave of ah uh, is where they discover that that the uh, castle castle uh, <laughs> is gonna is is the the place yeah where the uh, holy grail is yeah this this whole kind of i feel like from the the rabbits exploding onwards it, it's all kind of pretty zippy these last few scenes and getting mm-hmm. to the very end. Uh, and they're all really funny. Like, I think, like like I said before, the only really low point in this movie is those few scenes in the middle there. But I feel like from Tim the Enchanter on, it, it's kind of uh, just super zippy uh, from joke to joke and scene to scene. Yeah, exactly. It's just beep, beep, like, let's, let's get on with the quest kind of thing. Uh, which, speaking of callbacks, get on with it. Get on with it, <laughs> and so yeah, the, they they encounter a, an animated cave monster, but they escape when the animator unexpectedly suffers a fatal heart attack. Which is actually Terry they, Gilliam, if, if you didn't know that in, in that yeah. scene, that's the, the real Terry Gilliam there falling over. And uh, then they approach the bridge of death. I feel like this is the moment that really broke me. Like my first uh, looking back and trying to remember being twelve, thirteen, eleven, whatever age I was. Uh, I, I do remember just the uh, the absurdity of this and the uh, oh uh, what what's your favorite color? Just being one of the funniest mm-hmm. things I, I could ever imagine. 
Blue. <laughs> no. No. Yellow. Yellow. <laughs> what is your name? My name is Sir Lancelot of Camelot. What is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What is your favorite color? Blue. Right. Off you go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it, it does a, such a good job of kind of every time someone else comes up, it, it surprises you in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. The first one goes up, you know, and uh, yeah, it's surprisingly easy. The next one, they get the hard question. Third one, he yeah, he he gets his own color wrong. <laughs> yeah, just a, a great kind of rule of threes, and I guess rule of fours because then King uh, King Arthur goes and kind of breaks the guy himself. Yeah. What do you mean? African or European swallow? Huh? I, I don't know that. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty ingeniously designed uh, scene, just comedy-wise and beats-wise and how it builds bit after bit. But uh, So they make it across. Well, a few of them do. <laughs> um, they make it across, and, uh, and they reach the castle, fight the same French soldiers from earlier are occupying it. And, and they dump shit all over them, you know? Uh, yep. Yeah, screw those French guys. Just literally shitting all over uh, Arthur. You know, he just wants he mm-hmm. just wants his cup. Yeah, and so char they, they charge. You know, the entire King Arthurian army. Yeah, which comes out of nowhere, and like even Bedivere is, is a little surprised. <laughs> yeah, they have this entire force, and it's this super long sequence. I love how like grand this all is, and like yeah. I'd mentioned before, with like just the vistas in this movie and. And how gorgeous it uses the landscapes. It's just like this this amazing backdrop and all of these people in full medieval regalia stocking up, getting ready for the big fight. Exactly. Just to be, you know, broken in. Which we didn't mention how far from this they had kind of shown the historian's wife, I'm assuming, the documentarian's wife and the cops. But, it was a good while. But it, yeah, this. it had been a bit. So that you, even though, like, you know, in the back of your mind that that's going on and that there's more to this movie than just this fight, it, it is kind of surprising when they are, you know, the paddy wagon rolls oh, yeah. up and they're all uh, arrested. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could almost think that the, the lady identifying the knight was just a funny follow up to an already funny random sequence mm-hmm. of the historian getting killed. And then this, this, the fact that they did bring it all back together by having <laughs> the police arrive and, uh, you know, arrest them and break their camera. Yeah. Which, you know, could this be a case of mistaken identity? Because the, 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 the night that killed the story guy was on an actual horse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He didn't have coconuts. Mm-mm. Maybe, uh, maybe King Arthur here is, uh, is, is not to be blamed for this murder. No, but they'd have to go to court to settle That's that. true. But yeah, yeah, I love how abrupt it is, and just like it, just that's it too. There's no like in credit gag kind of thing. Not that that was really a thing in 1975, but there's no extra like credit joke or anything. It's like 100 percent like this is it. <laughs> the, the gang is yeah. up. Yeah, such a cold hard cut. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But yeah, and that is the movie. Yeah, I think we we've almost made a Holy Grail long discussion of the Holy Grail here. Yeah. Very short movie and we had a very long chat here, but I think we need to get to two very important segments. First, we need to continue ranking the the Python films. Okay, we, very true. This is the last part. 
of our Pythonathon. And we, we have now finished the first of their films, the third of our films. And I think where the rankings were last time is I had put The Meaning of Life above The Life of Brian. Will had not ranked either of them. Yeah, I was like, screw that. Coming back around, and this this is a tough one. The, the Meaning of Life tries to talk about more interesting subjects, and I think it does that successfully. Like, it just, it, it has more flavors, more textures, because it's kind of more of a sketch movie. There's the characters, I, I feel like there, there's a few characters that are a little bit more memorable. I feel like it, it's just it less of a silly movie, but more of an interesting movie in some ways. And obviously Life of Brian, I feel like politically it might be the most interesting uh, of the three. It, it tries to say the most. It's uh, and It was definitely the most daring, at least in my opinion. It doesn't seem like they felt that way in the process, but... I feel like that's how history has remembered that movie more so. But uh, Monty Python, The Holy Grail, I feel like is the tightest front to back and did some of the most interesting things with, with the way it tells its comedy and with it just the level of uh, sophistication of kind of jokes after jokes layering on top of each other. And okay. all of these bits just being them working so well together in, in so many of these scenes. And I feel like you get so many different arrangements of them here. All just kind of, I feel like this has all of them firing on, on all their perfect cylinders. Uh, everyone has an amazing part and added to the movie in great way. So yeah, a, a long story short, I think Holy Grail is, is my number one. Meaning of mm -hmm. Life is my number two. And Life of Brian okay. is my number three. Okay. So I, I gave this some thought. I'm not undecided anymore. I think, I guess for my number three, I'd go with, I'd go with Meaning of Life. It was, it, it, it definitely had some really standout moments that were really funny. But I feel like because of the fact that they went with, you know, the sketch heavy emphasis meant that there were more, you know, it was more hit or miss than you end up getting with, uh, you know, a more relatively focused narrative. And so it just, it became a little more of a, a you know, like a, a little bit of a mixed bag. And uh, it ends up being probably the most dated of the three. Yeah, I might, I'll probably agree with that. And uh, this for number two, I'd, I'd definitely, I'd, I'd go with Life of Brian. I feel like even though it's, it's focused narrative did keep them from like achieving the comedic heights of my what is now clearly number one here. Uh, it's It still has, it's a fun narrative and it's fun to watch and it's able to go places with its focus that um, the other movies don't really achieve. And then of course, number one, Holy Grail, of, of course. It's weird how I almost don't associate Monty Python and the Holy Grail with Monty Python as a whole, considering how Monty Python it is, but also, but I guess considering the fact that I saw Holy Grail before I saw anything else they ever did. Mm. And in fact, there was probably a pretty large gap in years before I did see a lot of other Monty Python stuff. And so like Holy Grail kind of separates itself out in my head, even when watching it again and, and noticing like all the Pythonisms, it feels unique and even though a lot of their humor is the same in a lot of their stuff, it feels like its own different thing. 
Maybe because they went with like a, I don't know. I don't know if it's the more PG aspect of the movie. Yeah. Or or what it is. It, it feels less cynical and more just let's be silly. Yeah, 100%. And that almost like makes me want to put Meaning of Life above it in some sort of ways to, to me. Just yeah. because like because nowadays just... watching Holy Grail, like I love that absurdity. And I love the silliness, but... I, I like how kind of Meaning of Life wasn't as afraid to be kind of more gritty and more adults. That's true. But yeah, I, I think Holy Grail is just the tightest of these three films, like just the most solid. And like, I mean, there's reason why it always ends up on, you know, top movies of all time list, uh, top, top comedy movies of all time list. Oh, like yeah. this airplane, Blazing Saddles, like. There's just there's not that many comedies that are just solid joke after solid joke and yeah. I, 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 this is definitely among them like you you can't beat it. That's true. All right, so we have ranked Pythonathon. The Pythonathon. Yes. Also, brief question: How has it aged? Old woman, man, ma'am. Sorry. What night lives in that castle over there? I'm thirty-seven. What? I'm thirty-seven. I'm not old. I think this one astoundingly well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I'll, you know, just like always, I, I feel like with these older movies and sketch comedy movies, it, uh, it, it leans very, you know, a few white dudes playing pretty much the whole movie. Oh, yeah. This was definitely a movie from 1975. Oh, of course. And the, uh, but, and um... the Castle Anthrax scene, it feels kind of uh, male fantasy-ish uh, now, nowadays. Mm-hmm. Despite Car- Carol Cleveland being hilarious in that, and uh, but yeah. ashamedly, there, there should have been more moments for her to, you know, uh, to be funny. Oh yeah, that would have been great. But sure, yeah, I, I I'll agree with that. There's not. It's since like you said, it, it kind of leans into PG silliness for this whole movie, and doesn't really try and get too specific with. with really much of anything especially because it's just spoofing films themselves and kind of spoofing the middle ages of all time of all you know times so yeah yeah, just not that much relevance in the the modern world to make it kind of modern day offensive there's also i mean very lack of people of color in this that's true that's kind of i feel like we, we should just record ourselves saying this for all of these older films and then just kind of copy yeah. and paste it in it's kind of a shame, especially like in contrast with blazing saddles, which came out around the same time and was much more progressive with its casting and, and with kind of the idea of what that film was about, but that doesn't it's true. I mean that the Holy grail wasn't trying to be that. And I guess it doesn't need to be that, but yeah, you're right. These are all very, very, very astute points, but yeah, I think, we should call this one a wrap. Let's uh let's put the Pythonathon to sleep unless we feel like doing a little bonus episode down the road. I don't know. We shall see. We will see. Keep uh keep your eyes on the feed and your ears to the skies. I I don't know. Yes. Sure. Yeah. That's a that's a phrase. <laughs> but yep, I think that's it for this. Uh, coming up soon in the gag real world, we are going to be talking about Swiss Army Man in uh, anticipation of the new film by the Daniels director duo. Uh, so that's going to be a, a weird one. Talking about, you know, absurd films that you don't really know where they're going to go. I feel like Swiss Army Man is 
probably the best modern example of that. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy one. So so buckle in to your Daniel Radcliffe and let's blast off into the sunset. <laughs> I can't think of a great Monty Python esque way to end this. So I guess just once again, have a I, good time. I think we should just abruptly end.